Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. All right, listeners. Um, I know we promised we were going to do like a bunch of lighthearted topics as a break. Right. Um, and we've just completely failed or backed out on that promise. Um, We're not backing out. We're just postponing it. Because we are going to do a little more lighthearted. But unfortunately... Yeah. um, Things keep coming up and you just can't ignore them. Feels like the world is falling apart right now. It does feel that way. Um, Yeah, the other day Mm -hmm. when I was researching this topic and the incels one, Mm -hmm. one of my coworkers came up and he was like, going to tell me some silly joke. And he took one look at my face and said... Are you okay? Right. <laughs> so, yes, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, and we really can't put off talking about abortion and all of these restrictions around abortion that are happening in our laws any longer. So, um, trigger warnings for this before we get into it. Um, some sexual assault, rape, incest, and, of course, abortion. Abortion. Yeah. Um, miscarriage. Um, yeah, so you've probably... Uh, heard about some of these? Uh, it's not in the news at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or in everyday, everyday conversations or Facebook or right. any of the social media. It's not at all. Right. Um, and we know this is a, an emotional issue for a lot of people. Um, and we're trying really to focus on the laws here. Right. And And just a reminder... Yes, abortion is a hard, hard topic, and the reason we're having this conversation is because there's so many misconceptions still floating about that we want to make sure that while having this conversation, we can lay to rest some of the misconceptions that continues to happen and continue to be spread, unfortunately. Yes, and um, in a future episode, possibly right after this one, but recording schedules are fun, um, we'll be talking about crisis pregnancy centers as well. So... Another thing to worth mentioning is that a lot of this is in flux as we record it. Things are happening very rapidly, which very rapidly. never happens in our legal system. How interesting it does for this. But um Right. Yeah. So if you if you listen to this and something is incorrect or has changed, just know um as we record this, it's been about a week since Alabama passed um their their law, which we'll get into in a second. And we aren't going to go too much into the history. There are some past episodes of this very show for that. But just a friendly reminder that Republicans, which is the party of less government, um, (laughs) on paper, that's what they say, recognize that this was an emotional issue that they could use to attract evangelicals, the moral majority, in the 80s. In 1972, 68% of surveyed Republicans believed it was a private matter between women and their doctors. Reagan, who once signed one of the most liberal laws around abortion when he was governor of California in 1967, changed his tune in the 1980 presidential election, and he brought up the issue of rights for unborn fetuses. Um, Then then came the crack epidemic, and then came the unfounded racist belief that black mothers who were on crack were giving birth to a generation of dangerous and or damaged children. And this reinforced the idea that the wants or needs of the fetus were in direct conflict with that of the mother. And the mother, in this case, did not deserve society's protection. Unladylike with um, creator-founder Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin, past co-host, they have a great episode 
on abortion with the experiences of three women. And like I said, we've done past episodes about the history. Um, and we recently did an episode on Ireland's vote, if you want kind of a more international take, and um, also home abortion. So there's there's a lot of um, media out there to consume if you would like more information after this. And if you're wondering why it seems so much of these laws banning abortion are happening now, it's because Republicans are hoping that they can get a case to the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, which they think they can overturn now that they have Gorsuch and Kavanaugh as justices. Right, and as in fact, that's been kind of uh, some of the platforms for the now um, presiding legislative people, such as our governor in Georgia, Kemp. That was one of his biggest platforms was to try to get this overturned. So this has been in the workings for a little while. Unfortunately, we're seeing it all happen. And uh, some of us who feel this is an injustice have feared that this would happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. According to the Guttmacher Institute, 338 of the restrictions passed around abortion were enacted between 2010 and 2016, which makes up one-third, about one-third of all restrictions passed since Roe v. Wade in 1973. So this is, like, increasing. It's not just in your head, as they say. And also... The abortion rate is decreasing. In 2014, there were an estimated 926,000 abortions. That's about 14.6 abortions per 1,000 pregnancies. That same year, the U.S. had 1,671 facilities that provided abortions. I have actually seen a lot of debate about that number, but somewhere around there. Um, But still, it's not an uncommon experience. One in four women will have an abortion before the age of 45. During one month in 2017, there were 200,000 searches on self-abortion wow. in one month. Um, and for some more numbers, nearly 1 million known pregnancies in the U.S. and in miscarriages are stillbirth. Um, the same it has been for around 30 years. Most of the time, the cause isn't determined. For women who have or are going through a miscarriage, that trauma is made worse when they are accused of homicide which is what some of these restrictions um, entail. And for doctors, this puts them in the position of collecting evidence as opposed to providing care. Right, which has been um, around Twitter. I've seen several different stories where they talk about uh, parents who wanted children having a miscarriage and having to go through that type of trauma and then having to sit still while the doctor gathers pretty much whatever's there, bodily tissues and uh, all of the fluids and such, and gathering it for evidence to do autopsies to make sure it wasn't the person's fault that this miscarriage happened, which is, I can only imagine. Like, it's just horrifying. Yeah. And if the personhood of a fetus was established, legal abortion would be a thing of the past because they would be protected by the 14th Amendment um, and even some forms of birth control. Right. The law in Ohio actually could eliminate medical coverage for birth control. And the language within the Georgia bill makes it very vague with definitions of non-therapeutic abortions, which includes drugs or devices used to prevent the implantation of a fertilized ovum, which means any drug that blocks fertilization and implantation. And this could include IUDs and pills, which is really problematic in itself because that's so far ahead of even being created, something being created, and you're starting to wonder, how is this going to be illegal? Yeah, I had a, one of my best friend's moms believed that... Um birth control was essentially abortion. Right. I actually had a debate with a good friend of mine about this as well and the fact that she felt, um, I guess, flushing 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fertilized egg was literally abortion and had a really big issue with that. And we had this whole back and forth of like, why? Why? What? Like, it doesn't even make sense because then what you're saying to me is essentially a miscarriage. These were, I mean, and for those who want these children, it absolutely could be. And they absolutely named this as what is to them their child who they lost. And that is heartbreaking. And I think that should be absolutely um, validated and acknowledge, but we understand that it's not exactly that. It's not as blanket as this is a human being of sorts, whatever, whatnot. The law in Ohio was also written by Janet Porter, a woman who thinks homosexuality is a choice and is the president and founder of Faith to Action, a haven for anti-LGBTQ plus sentiment. The Southern Poverty Law Center classifies them as a hate group. She lost her radio talk show when she verged on Christian supremacy. For nine years, she lobbied on the outside of the abortion debate as her six-week ban was vetoed twice, and it wasn't even supported by the Ohio right to life. She was also a birther um, and said of Roy Moore, I have known him for 20 years because of his stand for the Ten Commandments. So if there was ever a man who was innocent, he's like the least likely man in America to do the things they accused him of. Oh, well, now that we have that sentiment, we know Roy Moore's holiest of all. (laughs) Oh, goodness, no. no. Nope. Um, and quick note about the whole X weeks pregnant thing, um, because I think there is a lot of confusion around this. This is an estimate. Right. Um, it's done based on when women had their last period, called LMP. Um, and we all, uh, probably a lot of us listening know that you can have irregular periods. Things change in your life. Right. Like, very... It's For me, it's been rare in my life to meet someone who's very regular, but right. I know they exist. Just saying, uh, it's not as scientific a thing as I think a lot of people believe it to be. And we're going to be talking a lot about so-called heartbeat bills, and this typically means six weeks. Doctors argue the term is medically inaccurate because the heart chambers have not formed yet. Around 24 weeks is when a pregnancy is considered viable, and that's kind of when Roe v. Wade, that's what it protects. The U.S. has one of the highest, if not the highest, pregnancy mortality rate of any industrialized country. It's something we don't talk about a lot in this conversation as well. Um, And the rates are often highest in the states that are passing these strictest abortion laws. Abortion has been shown to be safer than childbirth. We say this because pregnancy is not something to be entered into lightly. Um, And also, we leave out a lot um, trans people that can get pregnant. And just to put that out there, we are trying to speak more of uh, people being pregnant and not women because of that language in itself, that Mm -hmm. trans men still can be pregnant and should also be a part of this conversation as well. Um, I know there's been many things where we leave specific people out and it's not inclusive and, and this is part of the problem in general, I think. Well, obviously because we're excluding the rights of anyone who's pregnant to get this bill out anyway, right? Mm. Yeah, um, and we're about to move into some specific uh, state laws. But first, um, just to kind of give an example of what this can look like. Um, In 2016, a woman in Virginia passed out, and when she woke up, she found her fetus stillborn next to her. It had been dead inside of her for three days, She wrapped up the fetus and put it in a garbage bag and then went to get medical attention. And her dad, who didn't realize what was in the bag, threw it away. And she was convicted of concealing a dead body and sentenced to five months in prison. 
In her appeal, her lawyer argued that the fetus was never alive, so it could not be dead. Eventually, though, the woman was pardoned, but a court upheld the decision and made the argument that a fetus was the dead body of a person. And this is really important into the whole conversation of what is happening right, right. now. Because we're talking about not just banning something, but actually criminalizing individuals as well. And that is really, really problematic and dangerous for the onset of people who are going to be prosecuted or how they could be prosecuted, or again, maybe what race may be more likely to be prosecuted, because that is a conversation that has to happen. Yes. and But it's also important because essentially what um, opponents of abortion are trying to do is establish the personhood of a fetus. So one of the proposals of the 2017 tax bill put forth by Congress had a provision about fetus personhood. Um, and then here's some quick Overview stats, and then we'll get into some specifics. 11 states restrict coverage of abortions by private insurance. 33 states and Washington, D.C. have rules prohibiting state funding for abortions except when federal money is available, and only then for cases of life endangerment or rape and incest. 45 states allow individual health care providers to refuse to participate in an abortion. Okay, so let's look at some state laws, starting with Iowa. So this one was permanently blocked, but it's worth mentioning. It was a heartbeat bill that was quickly struck down. Republican Senator Rick Bertrand said of it, we created an opportunity to take a run at Roe v. Wade 100%. That state has many other restrictions around abortions, like requiring ultrasounds even against a patient's will, requiring that the parents of a minor are notified, and requiring the governor sign off on all Medicaid-approved abortions, even in the case of rape, incest, fetal anomaly, or life endangerment. Then there's North Dakota. This one was also permanently blocked. North Dakota passed a, quote, fetal heartbeat law in 2013, the strictest in the country at the time, but it was blocked from taking effect. Then last year in Mississippi, that state passed a law prohibiting abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. It was challenged and struck down soon after. But it didn't end there. In March, the governor signed a heartbeat bill. And this is set to go into effect as recording this, July 2019. The Center for Reproductive Rights has requested a judge to block it before it goes into effect. Then there's Kentucky. This one is temporarily blocked. Kentucky Senator and Republican Paul Rand introduced the Life at Conception Act, this act sought to ban all abortions and protect and give fetuses full protection under the 14th Amendment, quote, at the moment of fertilization. Kentucky also passed a law in 2017 that required doctors show an ultrasound to women seeking an abortion and describe it in detail and play the fetal heartbeat even against the patient's wishes. It was later struck down by a federal court. In 2018, Kentucky passed House Bill 454 in an attempt to put an end to common second trimester procedures, dilation, and evacuation pregnancy, DNA, aka partial birth. It made performing these a Class D felony, but the patient was protected. A federal judge struck it down, saying it would be a substantial obstacle in the way of getting an abortion, and Kentucky's governor appealed. Of the 11% of abortions that take place during the third trimester, the DNA accounts for 95% of them. The American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have labeled it as evidence-based and medically preferred. And then there's Senate Bill 9, the heartbeat bill. And this is a ban on abortions as soon as a heartbeat can be detected. 
It was blocked, and House Bill 148, trigger bill that will ban all abortions in the state if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Senate Bill 5, signed in 2017, that one bans abortion after the 19th week of pregnancy. Abortion by law is not covered under insurance for public employees. So there's a lot happening in Kentucky. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of um, attempts and uh, things being it's, passed. Yeah, it's been a back and forth the entirety of our lives. I mean, honestly, and since the beginning of Roe versus Wade, it's been a constant struggle, and it continues to be a constant struggle. We had thought we made progress five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then Ohio which we kind of touched on a little bit. Right. Um, this one goes into effect July 2019. In 2011, Ohio tried to pass the first fetal heartbeat bill and have now passed it. And one of the pushes for this bill was to be sued by anti-abortionist groups in order to repeal Roe versus Wade, which has been kind of the theme throughout. Yes. Yes. Then um, that brings us to our state, our state of Georgia. Does not go into effect until January 2020. Um, always like to put that out there so it doesn't deter people who... And go get abortions if you need them. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Governor Brian Kemp signed Georgia's HB 481, also called the Living Fairness and Equality Act, L-I-F-E, mm-hmm. um, which is a heartbeat bill, outlawing abortion at six weeks, even in the case of rape and incest. It's the sixth state to pass the six-week law following North Dakota, Kentucky, Ohio, Iowa, Mississippi. On top of that, it widens the definition of natural persons to include unborn child. It allows for potential criminal prosecution for both doctor and patient. The ACLU and the Center for Reproductive Rights have both stated their plans to challenge it in court. And then, like not even a week later, Alabama. um, Late 2018, Alabama voters passed an initiative that read, quote, nothing in this constitution secures or protects a right to abortion or requires the funding of an abortion. And that policy has to, quote, recognize and support the sanctity of unborn life and the rights of unborn children. It makes no exceptions for incest and rape and makes it a felony for doctors up to 99 years uh, of jail time to perform them unless life endangerment is at play. And as we talked about at length in our trauma series, sexual assault takes away someone's control over their own body and healing is about giving them back that control Forcing someone who has been raped to carry a forced pregnancy to term removes that control and compounds the trauma. A provision along the same lines in Tennessee was upheld in federal appeals court. Um, And honestly, I was going to throw in there, uh, this can cause trauma for rape victims who do have children. Because we saw one, I think the 11-year-old, who had to share custody with her rapist for that child. Which is another back and forth that we need to have a conversation about. Who gives control of what. Mm-hmm. And not only did we allow um, someone to take control of this youth who had gone through this traumatic event, but now we have the perpetrator controlling her even more because of this entity that's between them. Oddly enough, even Pat Robertson has condemned this legislation as being unjust and over the top. So you have a lot of people who are all about um, pro-life choices, as in like the political stances, who are like, eh, this may have gone a little too far. Yeah, well, that's the thing is it's like, it's politics. It's disingenuous. They right. just want to get it to the Supreme Court. Right, and I think you must have the one most extreme in order to get as much as you can. Yeah. So if you're negotiating for a tactic, go the other extreme so you can get the more. Right. 
Well, and then we have Missouri, which as we record this, it, actually as we were writing the outline, right. um, Missouri passed a bill banning abortion after eight weeks. Um, that is on its way to the Republican governor's desk. It has no exceptions for rape and incest, only for medical emergencies. It's expected the governor will sign it since he tweeted, thanks to the leaders in the House and Senate, we are one vote away from passing one of the strongest hashtag pro-life bills in the country, standing for life, protecting women's health, and advocating for the unborn. Which, by the way, protecting women's health, not really sure how it does that, as well as no one's covering these costs. That's the other part, but whatever. And I'm guessing most of y'all already know the comment made by Representative Barry Hovis and his about the whole uh, consensual rape, yeah, which was a fun, fun conversation. And then the so-called apology saying he misspoke. But with our previous episode with Justin Boardman and DA Samantha, we know this is a common mindset, which causes for many people to not trust victims and here not trust people who could possibly be pregnant. We have another conversation about not believing victims and you have this whole what consensual rape what the hell is that it can't be rape if it's, if it's consensual right. which he did say that and he said he misspoke or in there somehow mm-hmm. and i'm like ah, there didn't need to be no. an or in any of this and once again justifying the whole thing as being this is not stranger rapes and so therefore is it really rape right and one more time yes <laughs> yes it is if a person said no that's rape. Yeah. Just because they're on a date doesn't mean that they have to get they have to have sex with somebody. Just because you pay for a fancy dinner, you don't owe them sex. No. All right, I'm done. Man. Oof. <laughs> um, so this Missouri law, doctors caught violating it could be sentenced to five to fifteen years in prison and have their license revoked. Right. And as you saw with Georgia and Alabama and many other places, doctors will be prosecuted, can be prosecuted for assisting. And places like Georgia, if you go outside of the state, that's still um yeah. can be, you still can be charged. Yeah. If you're if you're a citizen of the uh, of Georgia, I guess, and a resident of Georgia and you go to another state that allows for abortion, you can be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. for those same charges as if you were in the state. Yeah, and I saw a lot of um, comparisons to, um, like, imagine or think about how many states where it's uh, legal to gamble and you go to you go to that state right. to gamble and they don't come back to your home state expecting to be arrested. Right. Um, anyway, uh, we have some more for you listeners, but first we're going to stop for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Um, one thing before we go into some of this, uh, some more state facts. Texas, Florida, Arkansas, and Utah have also passed laws and restrictions around abortion. And on a side note, it's also worthy to uh, take note that Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, and West Virginia only have one abortion clinic in their states. So it's obvious that these states don't have much access to begin with. Yeah. At least 38 states have laws that treat fetus as potential victims of a crime apart from the separate mother. So they're like a separate entity. Mm-hmm. Crimes pregnant women can be charged with, and this is from the New York Times. It's a very helpful article. Fetal assault, depraved heart murder, second-degree murder, manslaughter, feticide, child abuse, delivery of controlled substance, chemical endangerment of a fetus, 
reckless injury to a child, concealing a birth or death, abuse of a corpse, neglect of a minor, attempted procurement of a miscarriage, and reckless homicide. And that abusive corpse charge, by the way, was a law originally put on the books to prevent necrophilia or the destruction of a body um, or at least provide means to punish those acts. But it is now used by prosecutors to punish women for having a miscarriage. There are rare cases of pregnant women being charged with a crime after falling down the stairs, being in a car accident, eating poppy seed bagels, or taking drugs prescribed by their doctors. Um, and there are laws that require stillborns get a birth certificate and that deny women say and end-of-life decisions. Laws like this and the ones being enacted now that give more rights to a fetus while at the same time stripping rights from women, like the right to consent to surgery um, or to hold your baby after it's born or receive treatment for a medical condition. As far as end-of-life decisions, 31 states have laws that do that on the books. 12 of those disallow doctors from following a woman's wishes when it comes to removing life support, even in the early stages of pregnancy. In 19 other states, even given a living will, women can't make decisions around their own end-of-life if a viable fetus is in the mix. Some have language specifying even in cases of extreme pain. And I, I really wonder how this is going to affect when it comes to the idea of domestic violence and or control with a partnership. Because I know a lot of, there has been a big debate about um, who has the right over a fetus and then who, if the, the father can have more say than a woman and all of that. And this could be a, a big contingent of power that not necessarily is about the child or the fetus. It's more so about control over that woman. And this is a really dangerous precedent that could happen, whether it's a woman's choice or not, and binding them into a hard situation again. And remember, many times in domestic violence situations and or um, child abuse situations, if the wife or the woman or the um, partner, rather, is a victim and doesn't do anything to, say, uh, prevent a charm, uh, harm from a child, prevent harm from a child, they can be also prosecuted for neglect or endangerment. And I know at least several of these cases that I've seen or worked with, the the partner who is the victim is a victim. And it's disregarded oftentimes more than anything else. And so you have to think about how hard is this going to be, even in future responses for DV types of situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I think that gets left out in this whole conversation. Right. There's a lot of other things going on. Um, some activists think that both Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey have legal loopholes in them, protecting the legal right to an abortion, but also the interest the state has in protecting a fetus's potential life. But most of these laws that put the life of the fetus at the pain of, and risk of life at, of the woman don't protect the fetus or the pregnant party. Like, they don't succeed in either. Right. right. <laughs> um, most of these laws are new, maybe around the 1990s. When asked, many anti-abortion activists say that punishing a grieving woman for having an unintentional miscarriage is a small price to pay if they can abolish abortion. From conservative activist and founding president of the Heritage Foundation, Paul Weirich, I believe that if you have to choose between new life and existing life, you should choose new life. The person who has had an opportunity to live at least has been given that gift by God should make way for new life on earth. Yeah, we, we, I won't go into how messed up that comment is, but I think I do want to put this out there too, because I know 
some of the conversations that I have, especially coming around about abortion and um, pro-life, pro-choice, those are two conversations that happen. We're talking a lot about the fact that uh, the male politicians, white male politicians, seem to have one interest, and I, I think they do. I think there are a lot of them who have whole other ideas and controlling women in, in general. But I do believe that there are those out there who are very passionate in saying they want to save lives. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to disregard that as something that's out there. I get that. I get that in your um, in people's minds that this is a baby and they want creation. And they have examples of people who are unwanted pregnancies to begin with end up being who have benefited others and have been helpful, have done amazing things, and I'm not disregarding that at all. We're not saying that that's not something to consider and being um, passionate about, but what we're talking about is more along the lines of this is dangerous. This is a dangerous precedent, and not only um, the fact that people are not trusting people who can be pregnant, which... To me, I trust my nieces and my, you know, and, and myself, and I will make the choice that is best for me, mm-hmm. um, as well as the fact that there are just whole ideas about people, especially late-term um, abortions, which, by the way, is not typical. No. And the only time that truly, really happens is because of medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing the heartbreaking stories that I've heard from people um, who wanted these these children or this child couldn't because of whatever medical problems that occurred and just watching them grieve over that and then sitting here watching them discuss this type of arguments and this type of um, laws coming into effect and how it could actually affect them mm-hmm. and how it's traumatizing to see them being placed in the port of like, oh, you're against life when all they really wanted was to create this life and love this child in, into their home and bring them into the home. And I think that's really problematic that we ignore that and seem to be flippantly saying, oh, they did this on purpose. Yeah. You know, and I think that's another part of the conversation. We want life. I treasure life. That is my job. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to care for the kids that come into the world without any help and who have been pushed back or abused or neglected or, you know, completely disregarded because they are now old enough to care for themselves and why won't they type Mm -hmm. of conversations. This is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about and I want to be there for them and I want to help them and advocate for them. But the truth of the matter is this whole idea of it just being pro-life versus, you know, anti-life, if you want to say it that way, that's not true. That's not the conversation. And just easily saying you're murdering babies we get that. No one wants to murder babies. Right. Let's just put that out there. That's not a thing. Right. That's not a thing. Right. <laughs> I know. But at the same time, this is the bigger issue. This is the bigger point. Who are we criminalizing? Why are we cr- criminalizing them? How does this affect individual women to being healthy and honest and upfront about what they need, how to get the care that they need? Like mm-hmm. j- Again, I know this is all like kind of a rant right now, but... I don't want it to be said that it's just, oh, yeah, we, we don't like babies. Yeah. This is not a, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I know. There's no, that's not a thing. I know. And that's why a lot of people are trying to relabel it as pro-choice and anti-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And, I mean, we didn't go into it too much because, like I said, there's so much content, and I'm sure right. a lot of you know it. But, yeah, late term, a lot of the myths out there they're miss <laughs> like right. and also 
we've heard story after story, and we even did one specifically when we did the Ireland episode um, of women being taken to hospitals and like having extreme, long, difficult miscarriages because they weren't allowed to have an abortion. Um, and the baby's dead. Right. Um, and then in the case of the one in Ireland, she died mm-hmm. as well. So this is dangerous. Right. This is absolutely dangerous, as well as the fact that, uh, and to put it bluntly, and I'm so sorry for those who have gone through this, to have a, a stillborn still inside of you and have trying to carry that to full term is already traumatic. Yeah. It's already traumatic to have mm-hmm. to give birth to a, uh, something that is no longer living that you love automatically. Let's just go ahead and put that there. And these laws are problematic in itself because of things like that. Yeah. And one other thing that um, I find really upsetting, and I know a lot of people do, is that um, there aren't any support systems in place (laughs) oftentimes for raising these children. Um, Right. And (laughs) again, I say this as a person who works and worked with foster care systems, the argument that many people have is that no one truly supports the foster care system or kids in out-of-home placements. And it's very true. We don't have enough funding to help these kids. We do the bare minimum. Hey, Christmas Christmas time comes around and all of the churches give free gifts, which is wonderful. Please, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. However, they need, they need more than just gifts around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. They need family atmosphere. They need, and when I say family, someone who could care for them. Right. But it's hard to love those who don't know how to be loved. Let's try that. And because people are being told you need to have these children and single moms, you are miracle workers. I want to go ahead and put that out there. You have a job probably if, for those who have one job trying to figure out how to care for a kid, take them to school, not neglect them. If you don't have a support system, you're already screwed. What that by that I mean like a family or daycare, free childcare. Mm-hmm. That is problematic too. And then we talk about uh, again when we talk about the uh, foster care system. There's so many kids ages eight and older who have no home mm-hmm. because they're troubled. They have had issues because of things that they have gone through. And I can guarantee you, one hundred percent, any of these kids you meet are gonna have to have intensive counseling. It's really cute, this little Anna Green Gables fairy tale that happened or, you know, Annie the orphan who are all just ready to be picked up and love you and it's going to be amazing. That doesn't happen, people. That's not a real thing. Our entertainment is misleading. It is wrong. (laughs) Um, And I, I know I've scared many people away from being a foster parent because I get really honest and I'm like, you need to be ready for this because... One of the hardest things that I see in the system is kids who are not wanted. And when I say that, I mean kids who are passed around from foster care to foster care, group home to group home, from family person, one person to the next. And they learn very quickly how little they're worth. Yeah. So if you're really pro-life, what does that look like? And I don't mean because you want to be given the sainthood for bringing a child into your home. That's not how this works. This is... This is difficult. And whatever you think you're going through, that child has gone through even more. And that's the thing is how do we help? How do we help a system that does not benefit people who are in bad situations, who are trying to make a life for that child, Mm -hmm. whether it's a single parent trying to figure this out and trying to get the job that they want, trying to go back to school or try to keep their job and not being able to be afforded 
helping these kids. Or when you have a school system that is so punitive that at any types of trouble, they kick them out. So therefore, the kids have nowhere to go even after the fact. Mm-hmm. There are so many things wrong with this system, and I know I'm going off again. However, this is part of the problem here. It's like we want to talk about birthing children. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That happened. Now what? Yeah. And we're talking about restricting food stamps and what they can get with food stamps. We're talking about doing drug screens for those people so they can't get food stamps. Or we're talking about WIC and cutting back on some of that health care. We're talking about the fact that we're taking away insurance mm-hmm. for people. How does that help those who live and those who are alive? Mm-hmm. What do we do? Yeah. Why haven't we focused on that? Because we're placing more value on the people that have not been born. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, And another part of this argument that we won't go too much into, but it is very important, is the fact that, um, like, restrictions around getting birth control or insurance providing birth control. So um, the difficulty of preventing an unwanted pregnancy so that you will never have to get this abortion. Because we're even having to have a definition of what is abortion. With yeah. birth control. Exactly. And then we talk about, there's already a conversation about making education abstinence only. Yeah. That's Once what again, my school was. Oh, yeah. There's so many schools. I think mine just ignored it altogether, mm. except for health classes when we had to sign a permission form. <laughs> Did you really? I think that was it. Oh. Um, as well as the fact that the administration, once again, is pulling back um, birth control as preventative medicine. Yeah. Oh, but ED medication is still free for all. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Um, Erectile dysfunction is what I mean here because I got corrected once about it probably meaning eating disorders. Mm. Um, yeah, so so there's that as well. Um, and then there's also a conversation we had around racism okay. with this because I, I saw a popular argument that um, our population is declining because of abortion. And no, just no. Um, it's going down for a lot of reasons. Hardly anyone can afford to have kids. There's no maternity leave or affordable child care. Um, those are just off the top of my head. <laughs> like, a lot of reasons. Right. Um, and it's not abortions. It's not abortions. Um, and also, this is a pretty white statistic. Um, we care when white women aren't having kids, but inversely, we don't want women of color, people of color, having kids. And by we, I mean people in this country using, like, the royal we, not, not us. Right. Uh, <laughs> Um, and there's a long, dark history of forcibly sterilizing women of color, eugenics, and abortions that we definitely need to come back and revisit. Right. And then a few years ago, we had that incident in which the judge forced that upon a black woman saying either you uh, go ahead and get sterilized or you go to jail, as if that's a choice. Yeah. And that was given to a woman of color. And, and here, here's what I'm going to say. This is an outright attack on people of color. I'm going to put that as a statement. Let's be clear. The pre-Roe legalities targeted poorer women of color, including refugees and black people, and where and is more likely to be charged and criminalized under the new laws and policies. And with that, it's already recorded the maternity morbidity rate is much higher for people of color, three times more likely than any other race, um, according to the CDC. Yeah. So I think when I say it's an attack, it's an attack. Because you see people who talk about welfare or any of that stuff, when we see all of the languages within the legal talks, it neglects women of color, black people specifically, in all of their conversations, essentially. 
Yeah, and it's no coincidence that this is happening in states that have done their best to redistrict and restrict uh, voting rights. Right, and there's been many comments involving Stacey Abrams and the current issues prevailing our system with suppressing voters. And as we speak, there are now forms of voting that could very easily be corrupted. The new ways of new tallying systems and the computerized systems we're talking about is very dangerous about who and what is neglected. Yeah, yeah. So there is a lot at play in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And because it is emotional, I think a lot of times it just boils down to, you know, I don't want abortion or I do want abortion. But you got to think about all of this other stuff that's connected to it. Um, And we do have a little bit more for you listeners. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So um, we did want to have kind of a in our concluding segment, right. maybe what you can do, think options. Um, but before that, I just want to say that this is really about control um, and women not being seen as people, but as baby protection factories. Um, and with some of the statements and extreme possible consequences, they also show a lack of concern for women situations that they are facing. The quote from Alabama bill sponsor Senator Clyde Chambliss demonstrates this because when he was asked about why the bill didn't apply to the destruction of fertilized eggs used for in vitro fertilization, he said, the egg in the lab does not apply. It's not in a woman. She is not pregnant. Hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty clear that if you, if he right. really believes that conception is at the moment of fertilization, like the bill argues, right. he doesn't. Is what I'm trying to say. Right, he doesn't. He literally said it's not in a woman. Yeah. So, um, ways that you can get involved, vote, vote. I know we've kind of like put a thrown a water. <laughs> well, I mean, and if you go and look at your states, you can see what seats are coming up. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you can a, run. Yeah. Uh, I love that idea. If you have a passion, run. Um, yeah. I think that that is something that is important. And if you have the, you know. A clean background check. <laughs> um, cleanish. Cleanish. Check. Cleanish, we'll say. And also, uh, if you don't want to run, you can support someone right. who you believe in. You can be campaign involved in their campaign. Yeah. You can help organize. Um, you can donate. You can always donate. You can speak up. I know there was, uh, it was trending on Twitter to sh- like share your experiences. And right. they were trying to get men to right. be share their experiences as well. Uh, it sucks that the onus is always on marginalized folks to tell our stories so that people will treat us like human beings. But, right. Yeah. Um, a lot of states have specific organizations you can volunteer for or donate to as well, so I would check that out. Right. And as we spoke about earlier, there's still, uh, there's still access to yeah. abortion care um, all over the country, and none of these laws have completely come into effect yet. Um, so volunteer. Uh, there are many clinics who need people to be escorts. We already know it's scary enough to go forward and make significant decisions in regards to one's body, but to have hate and intimidation surround you, honestly, I can't even imagine that trauma. H- having an ally and support in just everyday life, I know it's something that 
is benefited and is was wanted and is asked for. And that's the way, one way that you could actually be there in the fight is to be a hand, to be a literal shield for yeah. them as they walk to do something that may be already incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and a huge life decision for them. And if not, it may be just something that they can deal, have someone to talk to and just be there with them because yeah. not everyone has that support system. Right. I know I say it all the time, but sex education. It's clear that a lot of the dudes making these laws have no idea how the female body works. Example after example of them trying to explain They still don't things. understand some of the female body parts. So. Yeah, like that <laughs> explanation of like the ectopic pregnancy. Oh, oh my, my God. Um, so, oh. it's maybe too late for them. But we should get them all in a room and just be like, Tell clearly. Tell what's wrong with you. <laughs> yes. um, and... Just also, in Georgia, there's a mass discussion in the entertainment industry and how they should proceed. Obviously, Georgia has become a big hub for a lot of the entertainment production companies to come through and film here. And a few of our production companies have already pulled out. um, And I know several actors have already stated they would not be a part of any film or project that filmed in the states that have these new legislations. So Jason Bateman has already made a statement that if the Georgia law passes any of the um, blocks, Mm -hmm. that he would not be filming here. The Ozarks is one of those that is filmed here. Yeah. Um, But, so, I I have a, like, a, uh, when it comes to stuff like that, because I understand why bans are necessary and protesting like that is necessary. But for those who live in this community, like you and myself, we need allies. So when people just abruptly leave, we lose allies. We lose any kind of stance that we really have, and we start backtracking. And I will say, in the last few elections, I've gotten a little more hopeful Mm-hmm. Because we feel like, I feel like we're progressing in a big way. Um, but then you look at people like uh, Jordan Pill and J.J. Abrams, who has a different approach, which they're about to start filming here as well. And instead of pulling out, they said they would be donating their whole um, profits to uh, fund against these legislations. So yeah. I think that's even bigger. Like we're going to have someone behind us with a little more money because get like, our individual selves don't have yeah. the money that a lot of the politicians and a lot of these um lobbyists do. Yeah. So having people like that saying they're going to give us money to help fight it, that's to me a better way. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because I live here yeah. and I want to proceed to fight for it instead of just letting it be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really hard situation. How, how would you, how does someone handle this without being over the top? And of course, there's also the debate that um, I know the right, the conservatives have said that the, uh, that the entertainment industry hasn't benefited us at all anyway to begin with. It's just a way for them to uh, save money. And that's kind of true for sure, but we've also got an uptake on um, jobs. Yeah, well we, as... we um, did an episode on that a while back because I do work in the entertainment industry. Right. And like, yeah, the numbers are squidgy. But I would, I would argue that we have made money. It's just hard to say how much. Um, and yeah, we have, we have jobs. We have new infrastructure in place. Yeah, it's... I think it's worth saying, as uh, at the top of the Planned Parenthood, I believe it says, um, abortion is still safe and it's still legal. Like, right. um, these are all, it's in flux, it's happening very quickly. It, this fight is in no way over. Right. Um, and we do, we need allies. And, um, and it's not just the South. No. Obviously, yeah, as we are yeah. looking around and the new bills are happening, um, I like how it's been kind of, uh, specified as if it's just a southern issue and, and southern country people. Right. <laughs> but it's not. It's a no. thing everywhere. And, and as people talk about any of these kind of marginalized issues, it's global. It is. 
Um, and we are now highlighting it more and more because of the newest administration. Mm-hmm. However, that it should be seen, this is everyone's fight. It's not just one state's fight. Yeah. Um, and this, this about brings us to the end of this episode. I know that people have very strong feelings about it. So I hope that we can continue the conversation and, and get some of the... There's so much... There's so many things to tackle here, but I, right. I, I think that this community, the people who listen to this show, I'm always so inspired um, by them, by hearing right. from them. So we would love to hear from you. Um, what are you doing in your state or in your country? Because we have international listeners. I know this has been very United States specific. But... Um, if you would like to email us, you can at our new email, stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. All email you send to the old one will still get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you can also contact us on social media. We are on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Yeah, yes. Andrew. And thanks to you for Thank listening. You. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.